<laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> you remember that song, don't you? Oh yeah, definitely. You def- do you do you not actually know that song? No, I don't know you, that you monster. Know that song. <laughs> I don't know. That. Hi, I'm Austin. I'm host of Beyond Our Bubble. Uh, as you know, nowadays a lot of people are discussing political bubbles, where people only hear repetitions and variations of their own political views. So I figured, hey, I have friends across the country on either side of the aisle. Why don't I just interview them so I can hear their perspective without interrupting or arguing? So that's what I did. I interviewed people from my world, just people you'd meet around town, and hear their views in Beyond Our Bubble. And we're having another two-parter this week. Uh, we had one episode that came out on Monday, and the second is today. Enjoy. Great. Hi, I'm Austin. I'm host of Beyond Our Bubble. And I'm Jackie. Okay. Uh, welcome to the show, Jackie. Uh, we normally want to start off with just uh, just getting to know you as an individual. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you're from, that sort of jazz. Yeah. Um, so I am currently a grad student in D.C. Um, I'm originally from New York, um, born to Chinese immigrants, um, and kind of grew up in New York my whole life and just recently moved out here. So it's been a lot of fun <clears throat> studying um, public administration, um, so getting really in the weeds of policy and stuff and yeah. having a lot of uh, having a blast. So Where were you at in New York? Uh, so I was living in the city. So I was living in like Manhattan. in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Whoa, hello! I feel like I didn't know people actually lived in Manhattan. Yeah, not many people. Not many people do. I think they flee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I just did. <laughs> do you, was there like a place you used to go to in New York that like was your go-to vacation spot? Like not in the city, but like if you wanted to get out of the city, where would you and your family go? Mm, yeah. So my family didn't take a lot of vacations. Um, but I really like road trips, and mm. so I had um, two yeah, international friends, and we used to just, you know, hop in a car and go upstate New York, go to upstate New York, or go to Philadelphia. Um, oh, okay. And so we once went to, like, a wine country in upstate New York, and that was really nice. Yeah. Um, and then Philly, we uh, parked, like, took the, like, public bikes that they have there and rode around the city, and so that was kind of fun. Super fun. Yeah. Ah, New Yorkers. Leaving the city to go to... <laughs> Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) I think like most New Yorkers just want to leave the city as often as possible, but then also miss the city. It's like this weird, I've heard that dynamic. It's like a love hate relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's been like your guilty pleasure song recently? Hmm. Um, so not a song, but um, I've really been loving Kesha's new album. Oh, okay. Rainbow? I, did, I did not know that she had a new album. Oh, yeah? And I also did not know that people listen to Kesha, <laughs> like vinyls, just like sat and listened to them. Oh, cover yeah. To cover. Oh, yeah. The whole the whole vinyl, the whole spinny <laughs> disc thing. Yeah. Spinny um, disc. I don't know. I'm not a music uh, connoisseur, but um, yeah, I heard it on Spotify. Do you listen to Kesha at all in your spare I, time? I have listened to Kesha before. I don't know if I would consider myself I, I like Kesha I like her music but I don't, I don't think I've ever listened to an album all the way through mm, okay yeah. yeah um so I think her thing is right like trashy pop music which uh, I love but it's kind of fun yeah yeah and it's like really progressive and like super cool and the oh, whole is album it? yeah the whole album is just about her like wanting to do whatever she wants and like ha- like oh, okay. not being apologetic about it that's kind of cool yeah it's like a lot of fun do you know who Thank else you. I just discovered has like made a great album? Panic at the Disco. 
<laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You, you I laugh think it's pronounced now. panic at the disco. <laughs> it is indeed. Um, and, you know, once I thought it was like this very kind of emo, uh, weird you band. You thought it was that? Well, or so was it actually? <laughs> apparently, and like, I don't know if this is factual, but from hearsay, they won like, uh, like, um, what are they called? Like a Grammy recently or some, some kind of like really? big award for having like the most creative album. Um, no so I wasn't sold until I heard a few songs and it's pretty good. Pretty cool. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Jackie, moving over to the politics side, um, when did, would you say if you had to like trace back your political history, when did you start getting politically interested? Um, so I think I started in high school I took a civics class and really liked it. Um, but I really didn't, uh, know that I was interested in politics or public policy until college. I kind of walked into college wanting to do, you know, like one of the holy trinity of um, Asian American careers, which is doctor, lawyer, engineer. Mm. I was thinking about being a doctor and looked at organic chemistry and was like, nope. But I decided I was going to take um, political science, just kind of on a whim. Um, loved it. And then uh, got involved with... Um, the student group for Barack Obama's 2012 election campaign. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I got really involved in that um, and had a great time. Um, and it was it from there. Um, so then what do you want to talk about on the show today then? Um, so I'd love to talk about something that I'm currently studying, which is um, feminism and feminism broadly. Okay. Um, I have a particular interest in women's health. Um, but, you know, um, would also love to talk about the Women's March that happened recently. Um, those are kind of uh, topics that I'm really interested in. Great. Yeah. Let's jump into it. Um, so I guess first off, maybe like to just um, kick us off. How would you define feminism and what does feminism look like in your life? Because I feel like there's a lot of different definitions floating around out there. Yeah. Um, feminism, I think, is a really hotly contested word. Yeah. And I think among feminist scholars, there's a lot of uh, controversy over what it really means. Um, personally, for me, and, and I hope that you get other opinions from people that you talk to, um, feminism is, is kind of goes beyond that common catchphrase of equality between the sexes. Um, I think for me, it's a little bit more nuanced. It's a lot uh, more dynamic than that. Um, it's about dismantling um, social constructs that uh, one, box women into these gendered stereotypes, um, and two, oppress women, right? Strip women of, of their rights and their agency. Um, and then would you say that you, like how have you seen this in your own life? How have you seen these kind of um, constructs um, kind of live themselves out or or the suppression live itself out yeah uh great question um so uh growing up in a chinese family i think that we definitely had a lot of traditional roles at home um so while my parents are amazing and i you know there's very little I can complain about them um there's still an emphasis on um my brother my older brother's career and his ambitions um and you know there was this this common theme in my family that uh, my brother could do anything, but I was kind of limited by my circumstances. Mm. Um, so <clears throat> something I like to talk about is like, you know, when my mom often tells me is 
uh, you know, shoot for uh, a really high standard, uh, but don't shoot for the stars because uh, it'll be hard to get there because you're a woman. And not because she doesn't believe in the fact that, you know, I, I, I not because she doesn't believe that I don't have talent, um, but, uh, but mostly because she thinks that the obstacles in life for women are, are so much harder. Just that the world's structured in such a way. Exactly. That it's not really practical. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wow. Um, okay. So maybe like jumping towards like the women's march in particular, uh, cause you had mentioned that. What, what did you, I guess, did you march the women's march? What did you think of it? I did. Yeah. Um, it was really cool. Um, I was, uh, super impressed by just the numbers and the turnout. Um, and I think the amount of people that I met, um, who were coming from all over the place, um, coming to DC. So one, it was really cool to see that many people in the city, um, wearing, you know, these pink hats and their shirts right. and their signs. Well, how many people were there in DC? Do you remember? Um, I think hundreds of thousands, but I don't really know. That's the yeah. Exact yeah. Number. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. And I, I can't, I went with a bunch of friends and we all kind of packed into the Metro early in the morning and, and got in and ambled about, but I was next to a jumbotron, which was great. Um, so I got to see, well, I got to hear, um, Senator Kamala Harris talk, um, Linda Sarsour and like I think the Congressional Black Caucus was also speaking um so it was a really exciting experience did you actually get to see the stage I understand that like there were a lot of people there mm. and I feel like the stage was pretty set apart from it all right yeah I wasn't able to see the stage but <clears throat> I just so happened to be close to the side of a jumbotron so oh, I could okay, hear okay, okay. <laughs> you could hear what was happening yeah yeah okay okay I yeah. feel like that would also be difficult because there's only so many jumbotrons you can actually put up yeah for how many hundred thousand people yeah um remind me I guess the purpose of the women's march was it an anti-trump thing or was it more specifically about feminism and met and women's health obviously it has something to do with feminism as the women's march mm-hmm um <laughs> uh yes those are those are related um mm. i uh i think i'd like to say that it was an anti-trump anti thing um it was not an anti-trump thing i think i'd like to say that okay. um i think it was um i think trump's election um into office really instigated uh the women's march I was think it planned was... like after he was elected or um i believe so and okay. if not at least uh the fire kind of took off after gotcha um, okay okay after election day um so uh, you know i think i uh i think trump definitely was the instigator for for the women's march um gotcha yeah. gotcha okay but what would you say are like were the specific goals of it if you had to pick the specific goals definitely um i i think that it was a platform for a lot of women to voice um anger that they have been feeling over the course of the election. Um, and I also think that there were other themes that were tied to it that I was actually pretty surprised about. For example, um, women's health. Um, mm. I think I was I was pretty surprised. I, I wasn't aware that a lot of the um, rhetoric um, from the speakers is about uh, being pro-choice and having reproductive rights. Um, and I think that was a really cool theme um, that occurred. So a number of the speakers spoke on this. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, well, can we can we kind of jump into that topic? Yeah. And like, what does does women's health mean to you, and what what kind of policies does that include? 
Yeah. Um, and that's a big question. Um, yeah, it's a big, it's a lot to talk a about. Good question. Good thing we have several minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, yeah. So for me, it means two things. Um, I think one, it is um, about having agency over my body, about controlling the decisions um, uh, that affect my body and that come from my body. Um, and I think secondly, um, it's about having access to affordable and quality health insurance, mm. right? Um, it's about um, being able to access these preventative services and other kinds of services um, that everybody needs and unfortunately costs so much more for women um, for, you know, a number of reasons. Yeah. So Jackie, what I want to ask you is kind of what is like specific to women in terms of healthcare? Yeah. Um, so, uh, there's a ton of different, um, d ton of different things that I think, uh, women face that's, that's different, uh, for, for women as opposed to men. Um, one are preventative services. So mammograms and screenings and things like that. Mm. Uh, two is, um, maternal, maternal care. Um, so prenatal care and, and um, also, you know, birthing and abortion and things like that and birth control as well. Um, also, you know, there's been a lot of hubbub about the Affordable Care Act recently um, and uh, the way that it impacts Medicaid expansion. Um, women are disproportionately represented among Medicaid recipients. Um, and so there's a lot more women in Medicaid than... I believe so, and, okay. and I think that uh, it's because women are often caretakers or they often um, carry poverty deeper into their lives because the wage gap exists, you know, throughout your whole life, so it kind of compounds as you grow older. Um, and uh, it would be accurate that women more oftentimes are single parents than men are? Yep. Which is one of the common reasons people get involved with Medicaid? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, and they often are the ones who are uh, stuck uh, rearing children. Um, and so there's lots of different factors um, that affect women's health and that kind of require specialized, I think, care. Um, and, you know, and quite simply, women have higher costs. For right. Care. So I know the Affordable Care Act expanded essential health services. Um, what did that include that was specific to women's health? Um, I think one of the big ones was coverage for birth control. Um, and one of the hotly contested topics was whether or not employers should be able to cover that. Right, right. right. Um, uh, if I'm correct, it's uh, companies that are uh, relatively large that have to cover the birth control for their female employees. Um, so that's one. Um, and just in general, um, Medicaid is such a has such a big impact on women's lives and especially poor women's lives and especially women of color. Um, so, right. Um, so why maybe within that, um, why do you feel like employers should be obligated? I'm assuming you agree with this, should be obligated to provide those, uh, birth control services to their female employees. Yeah, I think that, um, because maybe I, I'm just before you answer, mm -hmm. um, I think a couple of people I've talked to about this have said, you know, you don't, like, that's not a required thing that people need, if that makes sense. Um, like, people don't necessarily need to have birth control. Mm -hmm. They can live life perfectly healthy without it, hypothetically. Yeah. Yeah. So why is that an essential health benefit? Yeah, well, people don't necessarily need vacation, but, you know, they're still given that. Um, I think, you know, if you want to run a business, um, 
and you want to run a business well, you also want to at least cater to some of the uh, concerns of your employees. Um, and I think there's been a big push for that recently in commercial industries. But, um, you know, plain and simple, I think it's it's just a, a basic right. Um, one big issue for um, mothers, and especially single mothers, is um, their attrition at work. Um, so if there isn't something like paid leave, um, women more often have to leave work um, unplanned to take care of a sick child or um, in, uh, like an elderly relative or something like that. Um, and then that compounds into different negative effects, like they might be fired because they don't show up or they might not be able to catch up on their work. They might work longer hours um, or they might not be compensated for the extra work that they do. So uh, basically I'm just trying to say that um, businesses have to take into account that their employees are more than just numbers. Their employees are mm. uh, people who, um, I don't really like to say it like this, but uh, people who, uh, if they're given um, certain benefits that can help them live their lives better, they can uh, make positive returns to their performance. Why don't all employers just provide, you know, family health or, or family uh, care leave? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, actually, I don't think uh, not a lot of them do. Um, certainly, it's not mandated in all states. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the family, uh, I think it's called the Family Medical, Family Paid Medical Leave Act, FMLA. I know the acronym. I don't okay, know the, okay. full, <laughs> yeah. the full bill title. But um, but it does require you know a certain minimum amount of uh, leave that can be granted to an individual, but not necessarily, the fa- uh, doesn't necessarily require that it's paid. But you believe the government should mandate paid family leave? Or, Absolutely. And those uh, essential health benefits that you would include? Yeah, well? yeah. For those reasons such as like vacation, super necessary. Yeah. Even if it's not technically necessary in terms of like you can survive without vacation. <laughs> it's Right. But it's like kind of this thing that we recognize as a, as a given right, I think, for people. Um, right. You know, and, and we also want to be uh, conscious of the fact that like lots of people – um, can't afford to be working a job that they love, right? So uh, you right. really have to think about the circumstances of, of individual people. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so women's health is a pretty controversial topic, obviously. Why do you think that is? Um, well, I think the biggest stickler is abortion, point blank. Ah, okay. We're going to jump into that. Yeah. <laughs> Just dive right in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Um, so a number of people on this podcast have actually brought up abortion and have discussed, you know, that that's kind of like a, almost a single, they're like single issue voters for abortion. Like they would say that they would vote for any candidate who is pro-life or pro-choice. Um, so in terms of those who would vote, uh, based on pro-life, intense question, uh, do you think abortion is ending a life and why or why not? Um, I guess if you're asking me the scientific definition of abortion, because you took um, what was that molecular biology back when you were thinking about being a doctor? Oh yeah, so no, I actually, like I, this is... I skipped organic chemistry. Ooh, you skipped organic chemistry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I still think of you as an, an expert on this topic. <laughs> so go ahead. Uh, yes, as a biologist myself, <laughs> um... a former considering doctor. <laughs> um. I, uh, you know, I think that's an interesting question, right? Um, and 
I think if we're talking about the scientific uh, definition of abortion, you know, it is perhaps ending the life of um, um, a fetus or, you know, um, like these living cells. But I think the bigger question is uh, about uh, what life you you value. And two, um, uh, I think that's it's it's kind of a, a trap question because it really ignores the reality of um, the woman who has to uh, bear that child. So I think when we ask that question, we also have to think about um, what does this mean for the mother who has to carry that baby or that fetus? Um, what uh, do we value in terms of um, helping her through her circumstances? Uh, when you ask that question, it's kind of isolated from um, a lot of the responsibilities that she's now stuck with, um, and it also strips her of being able to make a decision. Gotcha. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. So you would say, like, it's not just the question of the fetus. You have to, like, take into consideration the value both of, like, the value of that fetus um, and the value of everything the woman's going through yeah. and everything she will go through after the child will be born. Um, so then moving over to Trump, as one does. Um, so Trump campaign of being pro-life. What has he – has he done anything in terms of women's health or, or abortion yeah. In, in the first six months of his presidency? Um, yeah. So uh, he's reinstated the gag rule, the global gag rule. Which Can is, you discuss what that is? Yeah. And basically what it is is um, it is in order that uh, prohibits or rather that stops any funding uh, to a non-governmental agency or organization um, that uh, provides in any way um, – related abortion services so this is basically any ngo that um provides any kind of informational um resources about abortion or um discusses abortion with its clients um and also the organizations that they that those ngos fund um so it's kind of this cascading effect um, wow so all these international aid agencies are losing their funding or have the potential to lose their funding if they're talking about abortion correct why don't they just stop talking about abortion um because you know uh abortion is a really important service um and super necessary um uh, especially in developing countries um and i can't claim to be an expert on that but you know um birth control and um pregnancy is uh, a really important and sensitive topic and abortion should be an option if it's um provided safely gotcha gotcha okay how about has, it, has trump done anything else since he became president in terms of that yeah, um, so he's, uh, something I really like to talk about is um, maternity care. Um, and mm. I might also preface this with saying that, you know, women just shouldn't be looked at in in, uh, in the lens of being a mother or anything like that. But he has uh, put out this kind of uh, patchwork maternity care proposal. Um, and basically, um, it uh, has a provision that, you know, lets... Um, mothers take time off work, um, but um, it only applies to a certain number of women, so a very specific group of women. Um, and then also it's not available for fathers. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, and, and a big uh, problem with that is that if you only give it to mothers, that um, not only reinforces their burden of taking care of children, it also reinforces their stereotype as the caretakers. Right, right. So instead of fade pam paid family leave it's just 
paid maternal leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. But isn't that like a step forward in some degree? Because he's like, if this is an imp- imp- an increase in the amount of like paid family leave, I guess if it's just for the mothers, um, wouldn't that be considered like somewhat positive, even if it's not as far as people would like him to go? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think oftentimes policies like that operate under the guise of gender equality, but actually um, make things worse, right? So um, you can implement a policy that seems great on the outside, um, but it can have more, even more negative impacts. So, right, with the maternity care package, it um, perpetuates a stereotype about women. It doesn't actually help a lot of women. So, you know, I would much rather prefer a policy that's comprehensive um, and that really tries to um, give women a lot more freedom and leverage in terms of caretaking and taking time off work um, rather than something that's um, just an illusion, to be quite honest. Gotcha, gotcha. So you think it's almost like a feigned policy. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, so moving back to the Women's March, we kind of diverted from that, but we're going to go back to that for the, for the last couple questions. Um, okay, so so the researchers at the University of Denver and University of Connecticut estimated that, now this is not just in D.C., this is all across, I believe the U.S. and maybe across, yeah, just in the U.S., that there were between 3.3 and 4.6 million people that marched in the Women's March. What do you think attracted such numbers? Was it the, these policies that you've been discussing on the show, or was it mm-hmm. more broadly? Yeah, I think that uh, definitely it was um, anger, and it was anger about uh, Trump's election. And I wish my answers weren't so partisan, um, but unfortunately I think that Trump symbolized to a lot of women um, uh, a threat to their safety. Um, And something that I think about is like the Access Hollywood tapes, right, where he's kind of talking about how he can just assault women um, because of his position. his what he means to be in office for women is um something that is uh, i think much scarier than just a maternity leave policy right it's it's about having a man in power who has vocalized um this male privilege that um, puts women at risk okay so i have one more question for you that i like to end every show off with mm-hmm. um that's just kind of like so moving back to women's health again so let's say people are not in favor of a lot of these women's health issues. So let's say they're they're uh, pro-life for sure, um, and they would not agree that the government should mandate those essential health benefits for women. Um, what? So even if they don't agree with any of those, what do you think is a basic value that you feel like drives you to support women's health and feminism that you think everyone can agree on across the board, even if they don't agree with those policies? Yeah. Um, something that I read recently that I really liked is, um, the idea of, uh, not equal treatment, but equal outcome. Um, and so what I mean by that is, um, if you care about gender equality, which I'm sure most people do, um, you want to consider the ways that you can help women achieve that equal platform. And a lot of the controversy around feminism is how it might treat women, uh, differentially. Uh, but really, you have to think about the fact that um, we start off, you know, with a lower income for the same job and um, with higher costs for health care. And so just thinking about policies that can kind of put us on the same footing. Gotcha. That makes sense. That's good. 
Well, thank you so much, Jackie, for being on the show. This has been great chatting with you. You're so welcome. Thanks for listening time. to Beyond Our Bubble. If you liked what you heard today, feel free to rate and review us on iTunes. If you or someone you know want to be on the podcast, or if you have thoughts on the show, email us at beyondthebubblepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Bubble Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.